So I wanted to talk tonight about um, a topic that I'm only beginning to explore myself, and I'm finding it so rich. There's a lot of great stuff in the Buddhist teachings about um, handling conflicts and disputes. Uh, and this, this is a biggie, you know. It's, it's a, certainly situations that, uh, no matter how hard we try, you know, we find ourselves just hitting like bull rams sometimes, you know, and not getting along. And so, you know, what are some guidelines that we can turn to uh, to help us with uh, difficulties in uh, relationships and work environments and things like this? And uh, I think it has to be said at the outset that we're, uh, we really are in a very fortunate situation being Buddhist practitioners because we have, um, as a, a basic foundation for our practice, um, the five precepts. Uh, and this is, like, you know, I think one of the uh, bases for handling conflicts and disputes has to be a, a standard, um, a, a, like a clear set of values and standards that we agree upon, as a, whether it's a, a partnership or a family or uh, an extended community, whatever. That, and that that kind of um, standard or baseline um, serves tremendously, you know, when difficulties arise, and they will, you know, they do arise. And so, what are you going to fall back on? What's going to be your basis? What's going to, what are you, what's the foundation that you're going to stand on when they, when that happens? Uh, and you know, we, this is for us. It's these five precepts. It's very clear. Um, just having those as our standards for living uh, offsets the possibility of difficulty. Tremendously, you know, because uh, we're all putting that forward in our minds and saying that this is the way that we want to live. You know, we want to be kind and, and generous and respectful of each other and supportive and, and uh, speak kindly to each other and not dull our minds. You know, this is the way that we want to live. And so that right there, as something that we're doing individually, offsets the possibility of harm tremendously. But then also, you know, we're all laden with difficult karma, you know. And even given that, we're still going to um, hurt each other. We're still going to cross each other. And so that when that happens, I think just having these standards as something that we agree upon can come as a tremendous help to us to just sort of like, you know, hold each other with some kind of compassion and uh, spaciousness uh, in the sense that we know we're doing the best we can. You know, we're trying. Uh, we put these standards forth and we're doing the best we can. And so you can just feel that. You know, if we can hold each other in that way, then when we do come into conflict, um, there's a lot more room for um, a certain patience and kindness and endurance, you know, just being able to bear uh, the, the blows, you know, which, which will come. So I think this is really, really important. And um, I'm, I'm wondering um, in my own life and uh, put forth to you, too, if we talk about these enough. Uh, certainly, I think we talk about them in groups like this where we put the, the precepts on the table and everybody uh, agrees that this is the way that we want to live. But do we take it home and talk about it um, in our relationships and in our families and in our extended communities? I think that really, in a way, what the Buddha is saying is that we, in no uncertain terms, we need to do that. You know, uh, this is one of the things I love about going to the monasteries where I, I spend a lot of time each year. 
because um, it's, it's so upfront. It's so in your face, you know, when you go there. It, it's not like you sign a contract or anything like that, but it, it's, uh, you know, the, it, you're handed information with the um, eight precepts on it in that case. And um, it's, you're told that this is basically, if you want to stay here, this is what you have to agree to uh, endeavor to live by. And, you know, I take from that as a, as a model and as an example uh, in my other relationships. So am I talking about this enough with my friends, you know, and with my family? And, you know, what do we mean by this? And, and how are we going to hold each other? What, what's the, what kind of care are we going to give to each other in this regard? You know, I think he's really saying that we've got to have these kind of heart-to-heart discussions. I'm not saying it's, it's easy particularly, but I think he's saying that we need to do that so that we can set forth a clear intention um, to be kind to each other, not to harm and to be supportive of each other. So um, just to say a little bit, certainly everybody knows the precepts, but I, I, I wanted to... Um, look at just each one for a few moments and look at the um, not only the um, uh, restraint side, which is sort of how they're phrased, you know, I undertake the precept to refrain from dot, 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 you know, but also the cultivation side of it, that this is really important um, in our understanding of holding these. So, so like with our family and um, close relationships, what we're saying in this first precept is that um, we agree not to harm each other. You know, we're gonna we're gonna try to not to harm, not to kill each other. You know, that'd be a good start. You know, <laughs> it's certainly not to come to blows, and um, that that our effort in this relationship is to be kind and harmless. You know, that carries a lot. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but if, if I would hear that from the people that I live with, you know, this is what I am about if, with regard to you, you know, it would just relax me tremendously. You know, it's not like, you, it's not like you're really um, expect harm, but at subtle levels, we're all kind of, you know, at this instinctive level, just, you know, like little chipmunks, you know, <laughs> where's it going to come from, you know, Where, where's the next blow going to come from? And so just putting this out there on the table can be really huge, I think. Um, and certainly um, outwardly saying in, a, in the cultivation side of it that we are concerned for each other's welfare, that we are going to do our best to be kind and harmless uh, with respect to each other. To actively do that. And with the second precept, that, you know, we aren't the, the, the refraining from taking things that aren't given to us, uh, you know, that we're going to respect each other's person and property. You know, this, I mean, this is, it seems so simple, you know, but I can remember when I was um, younger, when I was um, in grade school, I used to hang out with this gal who was one of 11 kids. And um, the parents didn't do a whole lot in terms of making the environment a safe environment in terms of each child's individual property and belongings. And my friend actually had a suitcase under her bed that she locked, that she had to keep her personal things in if she didn't want any of her brothers and sisters to take it. You know? <laughs> and I thought, wow, even at that age, before Buddhism, before any of this understanding, one could see... Um, you know, the, the harm that's done in an environment where simple, uh, there isn't this simple understanding. No, we don't, we don't do that, you know. <laughs> you, you know, you don't even uh, take each other's shampoo or razor blades, you know, without at least clearing it. And not like it's not, 
uh, you know, you, you, a lot of people hold it like it's, it's assumed or presumed given, you know, when it comes to family. But you can see the difference that it makes in your heart when you refrain from taking even something as simple as the shampoo uh, without just yelling, you know, from the shower, can I use your shampoo? You know, what that does in terms of calming the heart um, is huge. You know, it's just, it's beautiful. It's like, oh, okay, now, then, then you don't have all this stuff going on afterwards, this residual stuff of uh, uh, taking something that didn't belong. The heart knows, you know, it knows that there's a, even if it's minor, it knows these transgressions. So, you know, for our own happiness and that of others, just getting really clear that our relationship, as far as the second precept is concerned, is about uh, practicing in this way and about practicing um, contentment and generosity with each other. You know, that uh, we're going to be content in. Uh, in the relationship even, you know, not looking for other things. Which, you know, in, in brings us to the third precept, the, 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 the one about sexual misconduct. Um, this is a huge protector in relationships. You know, the, just the idea of really being clear. I was talking to someone recently whose, whose husband was saying, well, he didn't know, you know, if he went dancing and maybe met somebody. He didn't know, you know. And she was, ah, you know, that, that awful feeling of not knowing whether you were going to be betrayed or not, you know. Um, just the incredible uh, sense of dis-ease that uh, uh, can happen in that kind of a context, you know. So the, the one needs to live without fear of that kind of thing. And, and other people need to know that... Um, you know, their husbands and wives and partners are, are safe in our presence, you know, uh, that kind of thing. So, you know, just feel, you can feel the, uh, the, the, the ease uh, of well-being that that makes possible. Um, and the, the, the fourth precept, uh, agreeing to the best of our ability um, that we're going to speak the truth and be honest. <laughs> well, you know... I don't know about you, but I, would, I just watched this precept for a while in my own life. I couldn't believe how much I lied. You know? it's just, it's, it comes out all the time. You don't even realize you're doing it. Just little white lies, you know. And this comes in, this, uh, keeping this precept or trying to keep this precept comes in real handy when you're uh, actually caught up in a conflict because then one can know that to the best of our ability, we're going to be honest about what, uh, what just happened, you know, and uh, try to deal with it at the, the cleanest possible level that it can, that we can. And certainly the, the fifth precept um, having to do with keeping a clear head and, uh, you know, just uh, not getting lost in all kinds of, it's not just, I don't think it's just drugs and alcohol that this precept is about. It's, you know, getting, just filling our heads with a lot of things that um, dull it, you know, watching a lot of TV, spending a lot of time playing computer games and things like this, you know, that uh, when you do that and then you turn to, towards each other and try to uh, uh, communicate with a clear head, it's very difficult, you know, because uh, the mind is quite dull from these kinds of activities. So, just being clear that these are the standards by which we want to live. 
and talking about it openly so that it's on the table. But I think that really that, that's, just, that's just the bottom line. That's just the, the basics. Um, and it gets a lot harder from that point. <laughs> you know, Just putting that out there uh, can be a lot. But I think that it actually implies if you have a standard in our relationships of non-harming and of kindness, um, then it, it, it implies um, a wish to know when it is that we are harming each other. You know, and it also implies a willingness um, to uh, tell the other person. <laughs> and that, I don't know about you, but that's a hard one. <laughs> I find that very, very hard. Um, you know, this is, uh, the Buddha talked about this extensively um, in his in- instructions to uh, people living in the uh, community life. Um, it's called giving and receiving feedback. You know, the, the willingness to give and receive feedback. You know, that, now, was, now we're getting serious. You know? <laughs> okay, I'm going to keep the precepts, but I, you know, we have to know that we're not going to be able to do it. And um, what happens when, there's, uh, when we're knowingly or unknowingly uh, doing things that are hurting other people. So uh, this bit, I think, is, it has to be said that it's not easy. Um, on, on the one hand, I think what happens is when we find that we haven't been very skillful, um, there is a very strong tendency in all of us to um, defend ourselves uh, against being told about that. <laughs> you know. Uh, and it's, it's just it's, it's a, that kind of finger snap reactivity. It comes up very, very quickly. So there's that on the, on the one hand. Nobody wants to be told about their foolishness. Um, and on the other hand, there's um, this difficulty of being able to tell people. So I know in myself, I've labored with this tremendously. You know, whether to say something. And if to say something, then when and how, and going through this whole process of being clear within myself, which is huge, that it's not me, you know. And you know the, mind, the tricks the mind can play. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's uh, I think that's a lifetime process in itself, just being able to see things in an impersonal way, you know, and have that kind of distancing from what just happened. So it's very important to... Um, talk about this and um, Buddha talked about providing a, a suitable um, a, a climate that's suitable and conducive to this kind of thing uh, and it can be tricky it, it has to be said it can be tricky and I think it's it really constitutes very mature practice it has to be said so that if we know that then we can go about the task of trying to practice in this way and give ourselves lots of time to learn how to do it and know that we're talking about something that takes years and probably a lifetime to perfect how to communicate with each other about our behaviors. So, but here again, the Buddha gave very specific instructions on, on how to do it. And um, he's largely talking to the monastic community, but I, I love to learn from them. And I look at um, the things that he taught them and take them um, into my own life and, and try to imply that, uh, apply them. So he, uh, there's three things in particular that uh, I want to look at in this regard. 
Uh, one has to do with establishing the conditions under which this kind of exchange can take place. Um, another has to do with the examination of the qualities of the heart of the person who's going to offer feedback. And the other is the qualities of the heart of the person when we receive feedback. You know? <laughs> How are we going to not go like this you know, when somebody's telling us about what we're doing? So just uh, first, looking at the um, conditions under which feedback can, can take place. Um, this is a, this is an amazing um, uh, ceremony that's conducted each year at the monasteries uh, among the community members. And um, it, it's a formal ceremony. Um, an individual, monks and nuns, in their separate communities with the uh, uh, men in one group and the women in another, um, they actually have this ceremony. It takes place at the end of the Vasa where they um, invite the community at large to offer admonishment to them uh, at any time during the, during the year. Not just then, although it's, it can take place then, but at any time during the year. And um, there's just, if you can just feel that, just the fact that this is given this formal status like this, there's a very clear understanding of the importance of doing this kind of thing. Um, the, the practice itself is called pravarana, which means invitation. You know, it's an invitation. And it's, it's really founded on this shared understanding among the community that every individual within the community um, has a, a deep intention to be kind to everyone else and to be harmless towards everyone else. And um, so that feedback then is viewed as a necessary uh, component uh, of, of their wish to train in that regard. You know, that um, if that's the case, then as a, as a community member, one needs to be willing to, to know about when that's not happening. So it's seen as very supportive and um, a great help to each member of the community both uh, individually for the, what their, their individual training and uh, for the sake of the community at large, for perpetuating a way of life. You know? So I translate that into my life. You know? um, for me, as an individual, somebody who wants to live well, who wants to live by the precepts and be kind, you know, that's the bit that I mean, I'm committed to doing that. And I'm committed to creating a, a world in which that happens more, you know. So that's, that's uh, the, the same kind of a, a counterpart. You know, living in the training individually and creating a community that um, is, lives like that, establishes that, and perpetuates that through the years to come. You know, it's like, what's our inheritance? What's, what's the inheritance we're going to offer to our children, uh, to our communities, you know? if not kindness and harmlessness. So um, this has as its basis a very um, clear understanding of the importance of this kind of feedback, that it's, it, it's going to help us individually to, to essentially clean up our act, if you will, and it's going to perpetuate a community that uh, is optimally human, you know, <laughs> the best that humans can be. Now, it's critical in this kind of thing, and it's, it's incumbent on everybody uh, in the community. Um, and this is a biggie. To, and this is what they, they vow to do. It, it's like t- to hold each other 
in their aspiration. Meaning that I know that you really want to live well. (laughs) And I am going to agree to hold you there, not in your behavior when you're not doing that. If you can feel this, this is very, very important. So that what we're saying here is that, in essence, what you end up doing is when there are transgressions, then you're holding in your heart that this is a good person. <laughs> you know, there, is, there is this wish and this very good vein and very kind vein within them. Right now, they're caught in a mind state you know, or they're caught in something that isn't so skillful. And so... Um, what am I going to do? Am I, am I going to get mad and, and, and focus on that? Or am I going to keep, as, a, as a, somebody who cares about their welfare, am I going to hold them in what it is that I know that they would like to be able to be? You know? that, that, that's huge. You can feel the safety that that makes possible. Certainly it makes it a lot more easy for people to receive feedback if they know that that's the way that they're being held in it. In uh, one of the suttas in the uh, Majjhima Nikaya, it's called the Exposition of Non-Conflict. The Buddha says that we shouldn't um, find fault with individuals who are going down the wrong path, but rather merely extol the right path. You know, to to actually sort of get it back on course. Uh, One extols the path, not the individual. And one um, disparages uh, a path and not an individual. You know, and this is, is, I mean, you've seen this many times throughout the suttas where the Buddha is very clearly saying something tantamount to hate the sin and not the sinner. You know, to, to really hold it in that way. And that's, clearly this is coming from a very, deep and profound understanding of the non-existence of self. You know, there isn't, it's not, it's not the, the individual. It's, a, it's mind states and difficult states that are arising. It's difficult karmic patterns. And so the effort here is to just hold the line as best one can. And I've watched this a lot at the, at the monasteries where, you know, there, there, lots of times there's transgressions, you know, there's a lot of misbehaving. And, um, when there's something, even if it's something pretty uh, blatant, and all the community knows, you know, somebody's being a jerk or, you know, really misbehaving, then, then what you get is that in the, in the next couple of talks, you get reminders, you know, this is what we do, and this is what we do, and this is what we do. But it's never like, you know, I, I could watch it in my mind. I'd be going, oh, I know who they're talking about. You know, they're talking, talking about that one over there, you know. But, but you know, you, you could catch yourself do that. It, it, that's not what it is. That's not what's going on here. It's like, okay, man, we're humans and we're not awake. And that means we're going to go off, you know. And so let's just keep reminding ourselves, keep reminding ourselves. And this is what mindfulness is all about. Let's keep reminding ourselves. And, you know, it's, it's like incessant. And I, sometimes I, I feel uh, bad for the Ajans, you know, because it's like it's their task to keep doing that. It starts to feel like a broken record. But um, they hold it so beautifully because it's a given. It, there's a no, it's known that uh, we misbehave. So... I mean, lose the opinions about that. You know what I mean? It's just, 
It gets keep reminding and keep getting back on track. So this uh, this formal ceremony or invitation, um, as I said, is performed at the uh, end of the Vasa each year, and uh, they just the monastic community comes together and. Um, uh, they, they have this little recitation, and I wish I could be a fly on the wall at these things, but, you know, you can't. They, these kinds of um, um, meetings are, are closed to, to lay people, but I ask a lot of questions, you know. <laughs> what are they doing in there, you know? And, uh, and uh, so they're very, very helpful. So I asked one of the nuns about, you know, what's it like? What's the, what, what, the, what goes on? Because I want to mimic it. I want to bring it into my life, you know. So she said, this is what they do. The, the nuns will meet and they bow to the senior nun and with hands in Anjali, they recite this phrase. We would like to ask the order of Sila de Raz, which is the nuns, for guidance. If there is anything that you have seen, heard, or suspect us to have done, which is contrary to the way of our training, which is for us the precepts, uh, we ask that out of compassion you make it known to us so that in the future we may be restrained. And that's done a second time and a third time. So it's like, I mean, I just, I got goosebumps. I just love this. It's like, well, you know, okay, hey, come on. Let's, we need help, you know. We've got to help each other out. And so if we can lose the egos around all this stuff, you know, you can see the tremendous help that we can be to each other to uh, point things out and to um, receive that. You know, and I'm not saying it's easy, but I think this is part of, um, say, a companion teaching that uh, needs to go along with the precepts and with us in our families and communities in particular. So let's just look at a couple of things that he says about um, the qualities of the heart of the admonisher. Um, there, are, there are a lot of suttas in which the Buddha puts forth the, the conditions under which these kinds of things should take place. And in one of them, he says this, um, that one who wishes to reprove someone um, must uh, attend to five states within himself or herself, and that it must, uh, must keep these qualities in mind at all times. Compassion, concern for the other's welfare, Sympathy. It's like, oh, poor thing. Desire to see the other rehabilitated and the desire to keep ethical conduct foremost. It's very helpful. You know, it implies that it's not being taken personally in a way. You know, that this is not a personal thing. This is like, uh, I'm not going to fall apart. Uh, because you've hurt me, I'm actually going to turn around and see what I can do to offer some support and some help out of compassion. As I said, I think this is very mature <laughs> practice. Uh, it, takes, it takes quite a while to uh, cultivate. In, a, in another one of the suttas where um, the, the Buddha is talking about this, he puts forth ten, uh, ten conditions that should be present before someone admonishes someone else. Um, And the first have to do with uh, the qualities of the admonisher, but the second uh, five have to do with 
uh, sort of the methods or the approach. So basically, in the first five, he's saying that, you know, we should examine ourselves and be, to, to the extent that it's possible, to be as clean in our own conduct as we can, you know, so that um, it, it's not uh, uh, vengeful or uh, we're not projecting in any way. Um, and to have a heart of goodwill, to be knowledgeable about uh, what he's saying, about what kindness and goodness even is. But then he sets up these five conditions that are sort of guidelines uh, under which the feedback can take place. Um, And he says this, uh, we should have these five qualities before us. I'll speak at the right time and not at the wrong time, which is basically seen as um, the the way that this is held at the monastery that that I go to is um, you would ask somebody um, if you could talk to them and they have the right to say no. And, um, or set a time that basically the whole thing is put in this person's uh, side of the court that you get to say if you want to talk about it and if so, when. Um, and uh, I speak about what is fact, not about what is not fact. I speak with gentleness, not with harshness. I will speak about what is connected with the goal, which is keeping the training, and not about what is not connected with that. And I will speak with a mind of loving kindness, not with um, inner aversion. So that's that's huge, (laughs) incredibly helpful guidance here. By the way, that's in the Anguttara Nikaya. If anybody wants to look it up, number ten forty-four. So that's the one side, Uh, and now there's these qualities that make it easy to be admonished. Uh, and I just want to read you from this sutta because this is this is a trip. <laughs> this is from the Majjhima Nikaya 15. He offers 16 qualities that make one easy to be admonished. See if you can uh, relate to any of these. He said, "If one has no evil wishes and is not dominated by e- evil wishes, then he's easy to admonish. Doesn't exalt himself or disparage others." is not angry, nor allows anger to overcome him, is not anger, angry or revengeful because of anger, is not angry or stubborn because of anger, is not angry and does not utter words bordering on anger. <laughs> it's like you've got something coming at you and you're not angry. You have to be clear that this is the case. Uh, or vice versa. Uh, then having been reproved, this is, this is really, these five here. Having been reproved does not resist the reprover. You know, holding a grudge and getting all kinds of pissed off and cold shouldering and all that kind of stuff. Reproved does not denigrate the reprover. You know, find manipulative ways to, to make them, uh, hold them in disfavor. Reprove does not counter-reprove the reprover. <laughs> reprove does not prevaricate, lead the talk aside, and show anger, hate, or bitterness. Reprove does not fail to account for his behavior, which I think is very interesting. Is not contemptuous or domineering, is not envious or avaricious, is not fraudulent or deceitful, is not obstinate and arrogant, is not attached to his own views or holds on to them tenaciously and relinquishes them easily. 
This is the quality that makes one easy to admonish. <laughs> As I said, it's, it's a big practice. <laughs> so uh, Buddha goes on to uh, set up some uh, uh, very specific instructions, um, which I think sort of takes it all the way in one sense. He said that even if we are, someone corrects us and they're unskillful in what they're doing, um, and they go about it in a way that it is not the best possible way that we should receive it. You know, so that even putting that caveat in there. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot. This is just some of the stuff from the suttas, but I wanted to look at in, in the, the remaining few minutes about um, working on it, sort of as um, uh, with our meditation practice. One of the things that he says um, over and over again in the suttas is that we need to take great care to do our own practice and not other people's practice. Uh, and that, that just serves as a reminder to me a lot, you know, because um, it, it's, there's this sense of wanting to get, have everybody in the whole world clean up their act, you know, so that we can uh, be comfortable and we can be happy, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of a, a useless effort. So, um, in one sense, obviously, um, that's what it's saying, do our own practice and not other people's. But I think there's very subtle levels of this as well that are worth looking at. Um, you know, first of all, I think we need to investigate what's going on in a situation, when so- particularly when something's, you know, somebody is uh, being unkind towards us. Um, and and to to look at that very uh, objectively, as objectively as we possibly can. And I think at the outset it has to be said that um, there's, you know, I think part of what the underlying side of the the fact that he even puts the precepts on the table for us is the realization that uh, people will break them. And I think we we tend to think, at least I've done this a lot, I just tend to think about my own breaking of the precepts. I don't tend to think about other people's breaking of them. But we have to know that there will be a lot of that. Or just subtle unkindnesses and, and the jabs, you know, of the, of the world. And that they're, they're coming at us. They're coming at us all of the time. And so if we're clear on that, then this can be a great for sort of first layer of looking at what just happened. Um, to see if, if, what, if this is something that's coming at us. Like, lots of times you're sitting there minding your own business, you know, and, and here comes a jab, you know. So knowing that can be a tremendous help because um, it, it's like the tendency is very great to turn that around on ourselves and say, what's wrong with me? Why don't I like this? You know, or why, why am I reacting in this way? Well, we're reacting because we're hurt and because it hurts. That's the whole idea of the precepts. You know, uh, unkindnesses, harmful speech, hurt. You know, I remember talking to a a gal in in one of the places where I teach and she was um, in a work situation where somebody um, uh, just engaged in a tremendous amount of frivolous speech. You know, just if you ever know anybody who never shuts up, you know, 
just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. And the whole work environment is affected by this because they worked in these little cubicles, you know, there weren't walls and you weren't able to, to close it out. And so she was asking it what to do about this, but the underlying tone in her question was, you know, what's wrong with me? Why don't I, why can't I deal with this? You know? And so first of all, we looked at this, we said, well, you know, frivolous speech. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the fourth precept right there. You're, you're being jabbed by it, <laughs> you know. So if you can get that, then that will release the tendency to turn it back on oneself or, um, you know, to engage or to get hooked um, in a way that gets reactive. You know, can we just hold it there and know that this is something that's coming at me? That can be a huge help. Um, then the, the capacity for compassion and kindness is, from us in response to it is greatly increased if we're not going to get hooked and get reactive, either by turning it on ourselves or fighting back. So that layer of investigation is very important for us. Just get a sense. This, I hold this as sort of like clear comprehension. You know, Stand back enough and see what just happened. You know, Is it something we did or were we just on the receiving end? Now, having said that, it can be something in us, you know. It can be that, I mean, we all have reactive patterns, you know. I can remember one time when, when I was at the, the monastery, there was this fellow there who was really coarse and, and rough and hard-edged, you know, and he was a very angry man. And um, as soon as uh, I came into contact, I mean, it was just always telling me what to do and telling me what I was doing was wrong and I'm not doing it the right way and that's not the way we do it here. That might be the way you do it, but we don't do it that way here. And, you know, and it was like every time I went into the kitchen, I knew I was going to get it in one way or another. You know, it's just going to be just blow after blow after blow. And, you know, um, for a while, I, I was just trying to um, receive all of that, you know, and just trying to practice metta or, or what have you, you know. But uh, finally, I was able to see, uh, really, that it was something that was coming at me, you know. So that part of it uh, helped me settle down a lot. But then after a while, it didn't, ha- didn't stop there. But there, there was this other bit where there was this little wounded me in there that was getting hooked. You know, it's like, mm, you stop doing that. You know, I even went to the Ajahn, you know, make him stop, make him stop. You know, it's like, like going to mommy and daddy, you know, he's hurting me, make him stop. Uh, that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and, and yet, uh, just noticing that um, there was a bit of practice in there for me. You know, that um, there's the kind of whiny, wounded being was being jabbed, you know. And that was creating a lot of reactivity in me. And so once I could work with that and find out, what what's that all about, you know? Well, I mean, you could go through all kinds of psychological layers about what that's about, but the bottom line is lack of insight into the truth of dukkha, you know. There is difficulty. And you will be jabbed. <laughs> You know, that's, that goes with the territory. That's, a, that's a, a product, an outcome of being born. You know, sometimes you're the jabber and sometimes you're the jabby, you know. <laughs> and and that, that will happen. 
And so what are we going to do about that? You know, we're here. We want to try to get along. We know that that's going to happen. Are we going to constantly be hooked into our wounded places and our whiny and reactive places? Or are we going to be able to know, to stay with the truth of the first noble truth? There is this. And find a way to receive it. Find a way to allow that this is the way that it is, you know. And this, that became a tremendous practice for me with this fella in particular. And as the months and years went by, you know, I, I helped by that. Just, you know, okay, take it, take it, you know. Um, I began to see that he was just a very nice man, you know. He had this personality that was coarse and gruff and um, just part of his conditioning, it, like he had an edge to him. And, you know, to be in contact with him meant you were going to have to feel that edge all the time, you know. And, and, and you know, it's like, well, what are you going to do? This is his personality. I mean, I have things in my personality that I'm sure rub people like that too, you know. We all do. And so it's like if we can get that, you get that on the table, then it becomes a non-issue. <laughs> it's like that's a given. That's, that's a huge part of practice, I think, receiving that. So it can be a difficult state with us, but it can take us all the way to deep, deep insight if we're willing to investigate it. And, and I think in, uh, one, one last thing on that account, it has to be said that if you can look at what's going on in a conflict or a dispute or confrontation, and just kind of pan back, like take the camera back and hold it in as wide a space as you can. Um, I think lots of times you can see that it's actually circumstances or conditions that are creating it and not either person particularly. That sometimes you're in a situation where like you're hurrying and he's hurrying and, da, 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 and under those kinds of conditions there's bound to be a, a lack of mindfulness. And so you're going to say something and he's going to say something. And, and if you're aware, even if you can hold that even with a little bit of impartiality, then in that situation you can go, oh, well, it's just I'm rushing or I'm restless or I'm constipated or I didn't sleep well you know, or I'm hungry or whatever. You know? These are the conditions that are actually giving rise to it, and so that the, the unwholesome or unskillful mind states will come up more easily under those conditions. And then you can just let the whole thing go, you know, a lot more easily. And I think that that's a, a very important last point to make, that under, uh, no matter what the circumstances, it is always possible to let the whole thing go. <laughs> you know, it's taken me years to learn this, and, and I think it's actually... Um, linked with the more we have insight into the non-existence of self, the easier it is to just let things go. Because you begin to see that it's mind states. You know, it's just, it's our karma. We're all just buttoned up against each other's skillful and unskillful karma. And the unskillful stuff hurts. You know, and, and you just gotta, we've got to learn to sort of like... Take a deep breath and let it hurt. It only lasts for a few seconds and let it pass, you know, and just go on to the next moment, you know. I was just talking to a friend recently who 
had a, a confrontation with her husband, and you know they're married like 30 years, you know, and they, and uh, she said it was just so funny. They still do this, you know, where uh, he said something and she said something, and you know, this whole mushroom cloud <laughs> blows up, you know, and then about five minutes later. They just looked at each other and burst out laughing. <laughs> it's like, can you believe that? We did that again. These crazy states, they just, you start to look at it more impersonally. You know, these mind states hook each other. And let's just get out of the way and learn to let things um, drop occasionally. I just imagine, uh, you know, a life wherein that capacity right there increases. You know, keeps increasing as I get older. That uh, I can just receive or notice what's happening and uh, not make this huge, huge issue out of it. A lot of so-called handling conflicts and disputes, it becomes totally moot at that point. (laughs) It's just a case of knowing how the mind works and getting out of its way. You know. So I offer these thoughts for your reflection tonight. I hope in some way they're, they're helpful to your practice.